I want everything that God has for me. Everything that the Bible says I can have, I want it. I want it. And so we need to be careful about how we go about what we do as Christians. And so that's why we've taken on this particular study to, to look at what real Christianity is. What does it look like? How do we do it? How do we walk it out? And so our first week, we looked at the whole topic of we need to love God enough to be content and to say thank you in all things. And we spent a whole teaching on that. And if that looks easy to you, you haven't tried it yet. <laughs> Second week, to be a disciple or follower of Jesus, you need, you need to follow Christ's pattern. He was rejected, slain, and raised. And the call for us is to follow him. We're crucified with Christ. And so we need to go through that same process, being rejected, slain, and raised with him. And so we re really should live a resurrected life, which was the third week we talked about resurrection to live as though we have died, been resurrected, gone to heaven, and come back. So that needs to be our mindset. Birth, uh, chapter, yeah, phew, the fourth week. Okay, I'll pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Holy Spirit, come. Would you just take over? Just take over. We, we are dependent. I'm dependent. We are all dependent on you to get what you want for us this morning. In every way, not just with the teaching time, but in the worship and in, in all that goes on here, even in our fellowship afterwards, <laughs> we want you to be completely in control. So we submit to your lordship. We acknowledge you as our God. And so have your way this morning in Jesus' name. Okay. The fourth week was, how do we do this? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we live true, authentic Christianity by the power of the Holy Spirit. We do this by the power of the crucified, risen, glorified Christ through the agency of the Holy Spirit by faith. That's how we do it. The fifth week, which was last week, we talked about the supernatural universe and how near, actually intertwined, the natural and the supernatural universe are. The sixth, today, we are talking about salvation. We're going to talk about salvation in three phases or in three components. Salvation is bigger than we think. There's a past to salvation, there's a future to salvation, and there's a present ongoing aspect of salvation, which is what we're going to talk about today. The Bible talks about a time when man fell in history. Man fell from grace, he, he sinned, and there came a curse over his dominion, everything that he had control over, a curse came over it, and the world became abnormal. Okay, We live in an abnormal world. It's not the way God intended it. There are all kinds of things wrong with it. And so people at times will look back on history and they'll go, well, wow, if God created man, put him in the garden, and this whole thing that God's done is kind of a failure, isn't it? I mean, he created rational, moral beings, and they're a mess. And so he really messed up. But that's why Christ came, and he won the victory on the cross. So that brings to mind, so what should be going on now that the cross has come? Jesus won the victory. What are we doing in between the time that Christ died and when he comes again? What is that supposed to look like, and how do we live out? What is the impact intended to be of Christ's victory on the cross for us personally? In other words, what does real Christianity look like? And how do we implement it? Or how do we walk in it? 
We know that when Jesus returns, the fullness of his victory will be manifest completely. In me personally, in you personally, and in the world, okay? When he comes back. There's a tendency, you can hear this in, in Christian circles, there's a tendency uh, for Christians to kind of um, look at all the things that are wrong and just kind of get bogged down in it. You ever get bogged down in the world by the things that are going on, wish that things were different, and just think, man, things are a mess, and um, they kind of stir you up, and there's, there's, there's some people that have already... Some Christians that have already bailed, they just can't wait till Jesus comes back so he can rescue them out of that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to live there. That's a, not a very good, never, very good place to live. Here's what, we need, here's what we need to do. I mean, what really bugs you? What about the, whatever is going on in the world? What really bugs you? Is there anything that really bugs you? Think about it. What charges you up? What does your wife or your husband wish you would stop talking about in those quiet moments when, like, this, it's, it rises up in you? What is, it, what is it that you see that's wrong in the world that you just like, oh, man, I just wish Jesus would come back? That's probably the area where God wants you to be an influence. He wants you to see the problems in the world as potential for an invasion of the kingdom of God. Why do I say that? Because... because Adam had dominion, we've said this before, Adam had dominion everywhere where we see the curse now. In other words, that was his place of authority. So, so Jesus came and bought that authority back. We just have to enforce it. So what really gets you going? You know, don't, don't whine about things. I, and I'm preaching to me too. I can really, I, I even like my cheese with it. You know, I really, there's, there's certain kinds of cheese I really like with my wine. And that's the wrong perspective. You know, we need to see the difficulties in the world and get excited and say, okay, God, I know what you've done, what you've purchased on the cross. How can I be involved? I need to see potential, not problems. I need to see opportunity, not difficulty. I need to say, okay, God, I know that there's more to this. Okay, so that's what we want to talk about, right? That's just kind of a primer. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says this, but you are a chosen generation. But you, you are a chosen generation. God waited for you to be born until this time. In this, this space between Christ's death on the cross, his resurrection, and his second coming, he's chosen you to live now. What does that mean? You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Nothing worse than a, than a leader ruling over people, whining. <laughs> Isn't it? Like, come on, inspire us. You see, the world is waiting for us to inspire them to something bigger and larger and greater. Okay, wow. I've got too much to do this morning. Uh, your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is no little thing. It's no little thing that God's called you to. Um, once, who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. 
We are called to be the obvious evidence of Christ's victory on the cross. We are. You are. You are. Say, I am. Called to be the obvious expression of Christ's victory on the cross. That doesn't mean just having right doctrine. It means living it out, walking it out. Obvious. Now, the early church was told that they were going to preach the gospel, but Jesus told them, you need to wait until the power of the Holy Spirit comes. And so that's going to be our key, is it's in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not in our own strength. And how we do what we do is important. How we do what we do is at least as important as what we do. Probably more important. And it's probably even more important who we're becoming than what we do. Because who we are becoming, the people that we are, the expression that we are of Christ-likeness is more important than our busyness and activity. We are to be living a supernatural life now by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? Does anybody know what that looks like? How good are you at that? Uh, <laughs> uh, do you know that we won't be able to do that in eternity? You know, you won't be able to live supernatural life as a, as a natural being, to live a supernatural life in heaven. You'll already have your perfected, glorious, glorified body, and it will be like the way you are. But right now we have the choice to do it and to walk in it in a way that we will never have again for all eternity. It's an incredible privilege. We are actually, you know what? We're actually able to walk and to do the things that Jesus did. We're able to imitate him by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's an incredible calling. We, you know, when you wake up, we, I don't, I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest. We should get up in the morning and jump out of bed and go like, I can't believe I've got another day to do this. And if we don't, we're doing it wrong, right? Okay. We are, uh, oh boy, we are to demonstrate that the supernatural realm exists and that God exists. How good are you at that? We're supposed to be that kind of example. And that's, and it's not a weird thing. You know, it's, it's not like, I know I'm going to be weirdly like religious weirdo, you know, then people will know that God, that's not what I'm talking about. We are to be a demonstration of God's being. What? I mean, think about that. If that doesn't, like, take you to your knees, then you don't know God well enough. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Only because he's so big and huge and vast and, and monstrous in a good way. He is, like, overwhelmingly good and holy and pure and loving and kind, and we're supposed to be demonstrating him to the world. Oh my gosh, how do we do that? But you know what? The victory of the cross makes it available to us. Okay, now we're going to talk about salvation. When I trust Jesus as my Savior, I am justified. In other words, that means that the guilt that I have, the guilt that I have as a, as a human being before God is gone. My guilt is gone, okay? Completely gone. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned. 
So when God looks at me, and when I trust Jesus as my Savior, God looks at me, he looks at me as somebody who has never sinned. Have you ever looked at yourself that way? You need to practice. <laughs> because that's the way God sees you. Or do you look at yourself as somebody who has all kinds of issues and problems and that you're a mess? Well, then guess how you act. <laughs> Just the way you think. All right? So you need to start thinking that look at yourself the way God sees you. He sees you as if you've never sinned. Now listen, justification, and that word justification has to be absolutely irrevocable in our minds. In other words, when we trust Jesus, at some point in our lives, we trust Jesus as our Savior, he declares us not guilty, and that never changes. Okay? Never changes. We can't lose our salvation. Um, when we trust him, he doesn't just forgive us for the sin up to the point where we trust him. He forgives all of it. Everything we ever will do. Gone. Okay? It's gone. I have this picture in my mind. Have you seen the Raiders of the Lost Ark years and years and years and years and aeons ago? Never saw it. You need to see it. But the last, one of the last scenes in the movie where Indiana Jones is talking to the government guys and say, where's the ark? As we have our top men working on it. And the scene goes to the warehouse where they're sealing a, they're screwing a lid on a wooden box and then this old, this warehouse workers pulling a pallet or pushing a dolly or something and this box and it's a warehouse that is filled overflowing with all these boxes that look the same and he goes back and he puts it somewhere in there we have our top men working it's lost in that listen when god just think about that for a minute. when god hears you Come to faith in Jesus, and you trust him as your Savior. He doesn't take all your sin, put it in a box, and store it in a warehouse like that. Just in case, someday, he needs to pull that out and dig through it and say, eh, eh, eh. Do you understand that when the guilt is gone, it's gone? The truth of the matter is that when you trust Jesus as your Savior, they're gone. You could travel all throughout the universe looking for them, and you won't find them. Do you hear me? You won't find them. He doesn't have them stored anywhere. When he applies the blood of Jesus Christ to your sin, past, present, future, guess what? They're gone. In his books in heaven, they're gone. So you can't retrieve them, and he can't even retrieve them. So when it comes to justification, when you trust Jesus as your Savior, your sin is gone, period, that's it, end of story. Okay? You got it? <laughs> Every once in a while I get pushback in that area, but I'll tell you what, I'm not budging. <laughs> I'm not budging because, because either Jesus' blood takes care of it or it doesn't. Okay, where was I? Indiana Jones, I did Indiana Jones. <laughs> there are no degrees of justification. I'm either justified or I'm not. I'm either a Christian or I'm not. Right? I'm either married or I'm not. I am or I'm not. Amen. I'm a Christian, period. End of story. Justification in the past for us, settled. 
salvation is more than justification. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. Justification or salvation is more than just justification. There's a flow to it. There's a bigger picture to it. Our, the future aspect of salvation is, is glorification. Either Jesus comes back and we're all translated and we receive new bodies or we die, we go in the grave, Jesus comes back and we're resurrected with new bodies. That's when we receive our glorified bodies. That's when glorification comes in its fullest sense that Jesus purchased on the cross. So the past is justification. The future is glorification. And the present right now is where we are, and that's sanctification. And that's the process. There's a process that goes on. We are becoming more Christ-like. For us right now, that's the most important point. It's the most important point right now. I mean, justification needs to happen. That's really important. But it's in the past. It's done. It's settled. We don't have to, don't have to think about it anymore. We really... I just need to say one more thing. <laughs> we really need to be settled here or it messes everything else up. It does. It'll, you'll be wandering around going, wait a minute, what about this? What about that? When you have that settled, boy, that takes care of a lot of things. Okay. Sanctification is the process. Now, there are no degrees to justification. You're not a little bit saved or a lot saved. You're either saved or you're not. There are degrees to sanctification. There's degrees between people of sanctification. Some people walk in greater godliness and holiness than others. There are degrees to sanctification in me. Sometimes day to day. I don't know if that happens to you. Anybody else? I'm in process. Sometimes I have seasons that are really good. Sometimes I have seasons that aren't so good. And I just get under circumstances. And I shouldn't. But I do. You probably do too. Or you're not being honest. (laughs) So. Justification deals with the guilt of sin in our lives. Trusting Jesus and receiving his forgiveness deals with the guilt. Sanctification deals with the power of sin in our lives. How hard is it for us to resist sin? That's maybe not the right question. Because if I'm focusing on Jesus and what he wants me to do, I won't have time for that. So I don't have to try not to sin. I just have to try to do what he wants me to do. Romans 8, 28, verse 30. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So you see that there's a process to all of this. The the scripture really does speak over and over again of the process of what we're walking through. And so we need to see salvation in those three steps or in those three phases or in those three categories or areas. Past, present, future. Justification, sanctification, glorification. It's all the same thing. There's just different aspects of it. It's all working to the same end. But there are different parts of it. And so that's what we're looking at. It's a continuous progression. It's a flowing stream. Romans 5, 1 and 5. Therefore, having been justified in the past by faith, 
we have in the present peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also we have access by faith into his grace. You see, we have access presently. We have access to him by faith. Uh-huh. I know those are just Bible words. They can be God words. To us, we can get so kind of um, used to hearing them and we, it needs to just hit us in the face. We have access by faith into this grace which we stand. <laughs> oh, my word. We're going to get to heaven and go, oh, my goodness, I had no idea. I tried to imagine what I had access to. I tried to get there. I tried to understand it. I tried to embrace it. I tried to. I really did, but, boy, I had no idea. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um. Through whom also we have present, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Now here's here's process again, okay? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. How many of you are perfected in perseverance? Anybody? I want to have you pray for me after we're done here. Um, um, sorry, Chad. We're in a process of becoming more like Christ, and so we do need to be honest about the areas where we have, um, where we're not living up to the, the fullness of what Jesus purchased for us. We're not walking in everything. So God allows things to come into our lives that challenge us so that we can respond correctly. And so the, the, the trials or tribulations that we encounter are not intended to cause us to stumble. They're intended as opportunities for us to walk out um, Christ-likeness, to learn, to, to exercise, to train, to respond correctly so that we can build the kind of character that God wants us to have. It doesn't come naturally. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So here's a big picture of salvation. Again, justification, sanctification, glorification. We're going from faith to faith. What is faith to faith? Artie and I were talking this week. We're learning some new things. Always learning new things. What? We're always learning new things about God's word, and 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 you know, have you look at this word? We were looking at one word. You know what this one word means in scripture? We never looked at what that word meant in the Greek, and you look it up, it's like, oh my gosh. So, and then and then we're talking about, well, why didn't God teach us this twenty years ago? Could have helped us twenty years ago if we had known this twenty years ago. You ever feel that way? Like, why didn't He tell? Why now? Why now? 
You know why? I wasn't ready for it 20 years ago. He had to bring me along, going from faith to faith to faith. I'm taking steps up that ladder of faith where I'm growing. If he had tried to get me to do something, walk in something that I wasn't ready for, I probably would have, I don't know what would have happened. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked. He's a good father, and he knows how to lead us. He knows how to teach us. And so we're in this process of moving from faith to faith to faith. So every time he teaches us something new, I say, thank you, Lord, for what I'm learning. Thank you that I'm pretty far down the path, at least from where I used to be. I have no idea how much more is out there. I have a feeling it's like light years. Um, but that's okay. So we're going from faith to faith. And it says this, the just shall live by faith. And here, here's the key, and this is something that we're going to focus on. We live by faith. Did you know? Uh, oh, I'll get to that later. Has anybody ever mistaken you for Jesus? Why not? Ooh, just be uncomfortable with that for a while. You know, if you think about it, there may be times in your life where people are just so blessed by what you do that they see Jesus in you. And once in a while, they'll tell you that, won't they? I mean, really, that does happen. It does happen. It just needs to happen a lot more. <laughs> not that people pat us on the back. I'm not, I don't do it to get pats on the back, and hopefully you don't either. But it's to be that, to be that so that people... Actually see Jesus, really see Jesus in you. Okay. When I trust Christ as my Savior, God becomes my Father. I have a new, renewed or a new relationship with the Father. He actually adopts me into his family. But it's even better than adoption, isn't it? It's better than adoption. You know why it's better than adoption? Because if they would do a spiritual DNA test, they'd find out that... He's really my dad. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? It's better than adoption. I have a new relationship with the Father, and I can be restored to the purpose for which I was created in the first place. I get to go back to the beginning, basically, and start over again and do what he's called me, what he's made me to do in my relationship with him. John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. That's the whole idea of adoption. He gives them the right. When we believe in Jesus, I have a restored, a renewed relationship with the Father. When I trust Christ as my Savior, I have a new relationship with the Son, with Jesus. It's a mystical union. It's kind of a strange thing where I become female. We're not... I'm a bride. You're the bride. We're the bride of Christ. There's something in the spirit where we are united with Christ. We're also told that he's the vine, we're the branches, and so we receive our nourishment from him. Okay, so there's another kind of a unity that we have with Jesus. And then there's the other thing that says that we're joint heirs with Jesus, which means he's really our brother. And so there's a lot of ways that we're connected to Jesus, but it all comes through faith in him that I have a new relationship with Jesus. 
When I trust Jesus as my Savior, I have a new relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so what, I, so what I have right now, think about this. I mean, we don't always think about it, but we do need to think about it. When I trust Jesus as my Savior, I now have a new relationship with the Father. I have union with the Son, and I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And it's not just doctrine. It's what I have right now. It's what you have right now. See, he's setting you up. He's giving you all the tools. He's giving you all the resources. So salvation is all one package. This whole process of, of justification, sanctification, and glorification. And salvation rests on one foundation. And one foundation alone. And it's not your faith. Right? The foundation of salvation is the finished work of Jesus. Well, what's faith have to do with it? That's the instrument that I use to get it. How do I get salvation? I lift empty hands of faith and I just receive it. I don't bring anything to the I don't bring anything to the game, right? I don't. I just receive it. It's all based on what Jesus did on the cross. His finished complete work. That's the bedrock. We need to be right about this too. <laughs> okay? We need to be right about this because if I think that my faith has anything to do with it, when my faith gets low, I'm thinking there's something wrong with the process or something wrong with God or something wrong with me. You understand that? I always go back to the fact that it's the finished work of Jesus that my salvation is anchored in. My faith is just what appropriates it. So when I trust Jesus as my Savior, I, empty hands of faith, Lord, I just trust you for what you did on the cross for me. And that's it, period. Done. Guilt gone. Now, uh, okay, now, now, how, how do I appropriate everything that I have? It's the same way. Do you understand that sanctification works just like justification? We raise the empty hands of faith and we receive from God what we need. Moment by moment, step by step, moment by moment. I can't do this. I'm trusting in you. So here comes the question. <laughs> all right? Here, it's all coming down to this, baby. It's all coming down to this. <clears throat> how, how well do you walk your walk moment by moment relying on the Holy Spirit with everything you do? How connected are you and how, how in, in, in sync are you with the Holy Spirit? Moment by moment, lifting empty hands of faith. Receiving from God what you need for that moment to do what he's called you to do. We have more to talk about this and next week is a whole other topic and we're going to explore that a little more deeply of, of that whole and how God wants to bring fruit forth in our lives. But the issue becomes... Are you daily, moment by moment, coming before God and saying, I'm connected to you, and I need to receive from you everything right now to do, to live my life? Why? Because I'm, 
I'm, I'm not called to be just another Joe Schmo walking down the street. I'm called to live a supernatural life, and I can't do it on my own. I can't get rid of my sin on my own. I can't get rid of my guilt on my own. I, have to, I need Jesus, and I need what he did for me on the cross. And I can't live a supernatural life now, and I can't do what God's called me to do. I can't fulfill my purpose unless I'm walking in that kind of intimacy with him, that word intimacy, where I'm receiving from him moment by moment what I need by the power of the Holy Spirit, raising empty hands of faith. It's not in my own strength. It's not what I think is good, but it's looking to him. Looking to him. How are you doing? So next week, when I ask you this question, we should get all different answers. I mean, we should get just like a huge response. How much did you look like Jesus this past week? And you know what your response should be? Well, more than the week before. (laughs) See, that covers it because if it only was a little bit and it's only a little bit more, that's still an improvement, right? The oceans of grace that God has available to us, we just don't tap into. Mostly because we're not conscious. And I know, I'm... The Bible is huge. The Bible is big. There's so much in it. There's so much teaching. There's so much to understand. There's so much to try to remember. There's so much like principles. And do I keep this in line? How do I keep this? How do I do this? How do I do that? And God always tries to make it as simple for us as he can. (laughs) Salvation is simple. It was incredibly costly, but it's simple. It's trusting Jesus. It's faith in Jesus plus nothing. Plus nothing. And we walk the Christian life the same way. It's faith in Jesus plus nothing. It's lifting empty hands of faith saying, fill me up, fill me up, lead me, use me. So then it becomes incumbent on us to be conscious, conscious of the Holy Spirit's presence. We can have confidence. Why? Because God is my father. He's adopted me into his family. I have his blood running through my veins. I have his DNA. Jesus is my brother. He's the vine that I'm connected to, and he's my bridegroom. He's the one who gave his life for me. He's the one who has given me everything. He's the one who wants my very best. He's looking out for me. Why wouldn't I come to God every day and go, here I am, (laughs) here I am, here I am. Holy Spirit, just come, just come into this place right now.